0: Worship, everybody say worship. Worship. Yeah, boy, who are you? Man, awesome. Awesome. King David, the prophet, the king of Israel, I believe is God's preeminent model for worship in Scripture. If you want to know how to praise the Lord, study David. If you want to know how to worship the Lord, Study David. And you know, God is wanting to put something back in the church. And he intends to do it by rebuilding David's tabernacle of praise and worship. Not Solomon's tabernacle, not Moses' tabernacle. Not that there was anything wrong with those, but he has told us, and we're going to see in Acts chapter 15, that God is going to restore the tabernacle of David. This is where we've been the last few weeks. I read something the other day about enriched bread. Enriched bread. You go into the grocery stores and you'll see a label that says enriched bread. But you know, years ago, we didn't have, we didn't need enriched bread. Because we made it fresh each day. At home by using whole grain flour that was freshly milled down the road. Nowadays... We process our wheat before we use it because we're modern people. That means we use machines to knock off all the good stuff like bran. Try to serve your kids bran. Do you want white bread or bran bread? What will they say? White. Give me white, white bread. We grind it and we bleach what's left until there's no vitamins or nutrients left in it to mess up the flavor. Finally, we cram, we add liberal amounts of dough softeners and conditioners. And just before we bake it, we squirt a little bit of a vitamin mixture into that goo and stamp a label on it that says enriched. So that when <laughs> so that when you slap that butter on it, when you put that uh, put whatever you put on it, jelly on it, you can say, Mmm, enriched bread. But it's not. It's not. And that's exactly what's happened to worship. The ex-worship leader of the universe slipped into the church and said, Let me have that base. There's no business that bass being in the church. Let me take that drum. Not only only church on the hill do you have these drums, but y'all stuck another drum up here. Not only do we not need one drummer, we definitely don't need two drummers. Not to mention the one standing back here who is a drummer. Got to remove the drums. And by the way, while you're at it, remove those cymbals. Don't need that in the church. And those guitars, they sound so good, they must be the devil's music. (laughs) Got to be sinful. And then this ex-worship leader, if you don't know who I'm talking about, it's Satan. He was the chief worshiper, cast down from heaven. He comes into the church and says, okay, now what are we left with? Okay, good. Good. Now, singers, sing in monotone, sing quiet, and whatever you do, do not get passionate. Don't you shake your legs. That's devil's music. Don't you move. For centuries, God's people have been going by bars and taverns and bistros and pubs that are jamming to the most powerful sounds imaginable. And you know what? We're attracted to it. We're attracted to music. But guilt strikes our heart from the devil saying, that's the devil's music. And each, in each generation, we have, our kids have passed the same sounds coming in and out of those joints only to plop down in church services where they see sleepy people singing monotonous hymns to the joyful sounds of mm. Now, Y'all know I'm kind of poking fun because that is not us, especially not this morning. Not this morning. We work hard as a team to, I know you probably highly question this. You're going to say that's highly questionable, Pastor. But we try very hard to make sure we have the volume right, the temperature right, the feel right. And this morning, Zach and I were talking about how, man, we are going to literally blow the roof off of this place this morning. We are gonna. We are believing for the open heavens to to be opened up as we are excited and worshiping God, and for Him to pour out into us this morning. And what I said to Zach this week, even met with a deacon and said, "But we got to keep the volume under control." And everybody said, "Few of you did." Few of you said, "No." (laughs) That's funny. That's the church. That's the church. We come in here, one says it's cold, the other one says it's hot. Another one says they like this, the other one says they like that. Same thing in worship. We want the hymns, we want this. We want that sound, we don't want that sound. It is divisive. Satan is trying to divide the church any way that he can. So if you can know as our leadership, we are, we are trying to press forward in worship. But keep it at a church. Have church atmosphere Now you young people that can be done You older generation that can be done That can be done And we are going to strive to do it Our kids come in contact with their friends and the friend they start hearing their music And you know what? That music starts speaking to their hormones and their energy and their optimism starts boiling up in their blood. Then we say, let's go to church. And they can't help but say, but dad, it's dull over there. Nobody's happy at church. Why is that? One of my children this week, we were watching a secular concert on TV and my child said, this is not the kind of concert that people get up and scream and shout at, is it? And I said, no, you're right. Like James Taylor, you don't see people going, whoa, yeah, James, yeah. There's a few, there's a few, but they're smoking something they shouldn't be. Now, I want to tell you, I have been there. I have seen that, and I'm like, Man, do you realize who we're hearing? I'm into it. I love it, but this is not the concert. Not that one. I believe around the throne of God there is music. I believe there is music and there is passion and there is joy and there is fire, and there are fireworks going off everywhere, and it is a perfect sound. That's what we're to encounter. Heaven on earth as it is in heaven. Why not at church? And church, you guys, as as Pastor Justin came up and said, y'all are awesome. We threw you guys a curveball today, and you said, okay. Okay. We're worshiping. We don't really care what you're going to do up here. We're worshiping. We want to join in with what all of creation is called to do, and that is to worship. God wants to give us something today that we have processed out of our modern sophistication and wisdom. And the devil understands the power of music. But the church has gotten so ignorant over the last few centuries that we as a church have freely given away what God intended to always be his. That we would have the best music. Not the world. Not the world. And we're just now beginning to see the power that God has invested in music. And you know what God is saying? He's saying, get with it. You know what the name of that first song that we did was? You'd never guess it. It doesn't say it anywhere in the whole song. It's called Go. Go. Move from where you are toward God. Go. We're giving it all away. We're letting go of every hindrance that we may have in order to go the way the Lord wants us to go. Everybody say go. Go. Yeah, man. I can preach in this kind of environment. (laughs) David was ahead of his time. He delved so deeply into the depths of worship that he crossed the barrier from Old Testament to New Testament before Jesus ever came. With intimacy, intimacy that transcended the law. Do you know that it basically rewrote the law? David's worship basically rewrote the law, it didn't rewrite it. It was, it was, it was prophesying what was coming not just prophesying but going ahead and walking it out before Jesus had come we need today what David had back then the problem is we're afraid of new things like we like the old even if God isn't speaking that language anymore If someone dares to introduce something fresh that the Holy Spirit is doing, strong opposition comes from people, especially those who just experienced a move of the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying the world. I'm saying in the church. Do you know that God moves? God goes from glory to glory. He says that I am doing a new thing. God is not static. Well, let me put it this way: God does not want us to be static. That's kind of a that's a big sovereignty of God thing. All of a sudden, my mind is wanting to blow sitting here thinking about God moving. God is, God always will be. There's nothing new to God, but there is certainly new to us. Uh, go with me here. I'm just kind of processing as I'm talking here. So, how do I stay flexible? In terms of being a wineskin, you've read the scripture where it talks about old wineskins and new wineskins. It talks about fabric. You can't put a new fabric on an old fabric, right? So how do we grow? You know that old wineskin? You know what it needs to have done to it? It needs to be soaked in water and beat with rocks and loosened up. Loosen up a little bit. I want to stay flexible. I want to be new, but it will cost me to be flexible. Do you realize that even if we're young and we, even if you're, we're young or we're old, whatever, wherever you are, we all think, I don't mind new. I kind of like the new until new shows up at your door. Um, my wife, again, is getting her master's uh, at, from Tennessee Tech, and through education, they're changing the whole system, going from this old system to some new system, common core, whatever. And they have to move. And so many are saying, I don't want to move. New ways, bad. Old ways, good. Why would we move? This is dumb. But for some reason, the state keeps moving. It's still moving. Any of you have a Mac? Any of you upgraded from Snow Leopard to Mavericks? We still haven't upgraded that computer back there because there's too many issues. But you know, if we don't eventually move, we'll get left behind, and the new stuff that starts coming out won't work. How many of you have an old iPhone, and you're trying to new, use new apps on that old iPhone, and it says, This app isn't compatible with this operating system? Well, bless you, iPhone. <laughs> we have to move. So many times in the church, the Lord moves in one area and then then it moves. Do you know that Moses, in bringing water to the children of Israel, at one time took the rod and hit the rock and water gushed from it. And then God says, We're not going to hit it this time, we're going to speak to it. And what did Moses do? He hit it. We got to be willing to move. We've got to move. God's moved let's move. David introduced something that was born of the Spirit and moved simultaneously with another wineskin. And David's tabernacle was a pattern after Moses's tabernacle, but enriched with, it was enriched with David's rich intimacy, rich relationship with God. A relationship that was nurtured through decades of praise on the hillsides while he was tending sheep and also in the cave of, of Adullam when he was in desperate times. And, you know, David borrowed from Moses and established something new that God wanted in his church today. And he did it without despising the tabernacle of Moses. Do you hear me? You need to keep a good attitude of where you've come from. The concluding words of James and the apostle in Acts 15 said this. We've already gone over this many times, but here it is again. After these things, I will return and I will rebuild the tabernacle of David which has fallen and I will rebuild its ruins and I will restore it so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord and all Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who makes these things known from long ago. God wants us to understand That just because something new, something is new to us, does not mean it is new to him. God gives us something, gives us things in relationship to his time and season, and then he introduces it back to the church. He is giving us something that we have lost. You know, so many times we read scriptures and we say, I've never seen that before. Even today. I will read something that I've read a hundred times and say, where has that been? The the fact is, it was always there. The Old Testament prophets Amos and Joel spoke of God's mighty works in that day, using that phrase, in that day. But the fact is, that day is today. We live in that day. Some of the prophecies uh, were fulfilled in the 30th year of Jesus' earthly ministry when he wrote the scrolls from Isaiah saying in Luke chapter 4, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel. Verse 21, and then declared, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Some of the ancient prophecies came to pass on the cross when Jesus declared, it is finished. And others came on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit descended like a fire on the, on the 120. But look at what John chapter 16 says. It, Jesus said, I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. The Word is written. We have the Word, but sometimes, it is the, sometimes those nuggets that we get are for this day. We are in this day, the day of the tabernacle of David being restored. Jesus knows our frames and our limitations. And he also knows that the church can't handle it all, all at the same time. That, that's why we're given these little, these little nuggets as we go through our life. But now he is restoring these many things to believers because I believe believers are praying to God. God, I want more. I want more of you. Do you know what the Lord says when we ask for more? He gives us more. You know, the more I hunger, the more he feeds. It's like a woman that's nursing a baby. When the baby cries for that milk, the milk shows up. It doesn't take a woman to get down on her knees and start praying, God, please bring the milk. Nope, God has made it that way. That when we cry for hunger, he feeds us. But sometimes we just got to cry out with hunger. One of the things undergirding this expansion of the kingdom of God is a new concept of praise. Something awesome is taking place in the earth today. And praise and worship is at the center of it. You know, we can stand in this sanctuary at Church on the Hill with other believers right here in this church, and we can affect nations. Joe McGee was preaching a couple weeks ago, and one thing I wanted him to say Is that we can ask for our nation back and God will give it to us. Scripture says if we will ask for the nations, He'll give it to us. Church on the Hill, let's start asking for our nation. God has not fallen off the throne and lost His authority over this earth, He is on the throne. He created the earth, all is His. We have to start praying for our nation. We have to start asking for our nation back. The shockwave of our praise is unaffected by distance, by time zone, by different languages, cultures, and political systems. David's earthly kingdom expanded phenomenally. And it, the, only attribute, the only way you can attribute it is by his commitment to worship and praise. And, you know, David was a praise animal. And when I, when, I, when I think of that praise animal, I think of animal on uh, the Muppets. Yeah. I can just see that as awkward as, as that, that character looks, I think that's probably how awkward David looked in his worship. What I mean is he stood out. What is he doing? The whole world looking, but he's the king. God's hand's been upon him forever. And by the way, don't mess with him. He'll kill you. (laughs) Saul's killed his thousands. David's killed his ten thousands. And look at him worship. Something's different. He knew how to do it. And what do you think of Jesus, the prophetic son of David? He was a worshiper. He understood the power and the importance of praise to his Father. That's why he told the Samaritan woman at the well, he said, can I tell you that the Father's not looking for apostles? He's not looking for evangelists and prophets. He's looking for worshipers. He's looking for worshipers that will worship him in spirit and in truth. He's looking for you to worship him. Church on the Hill When God goes looking for worshipers, let him find them here. Let him find them in me. Let him find them in you. The central focus in the Old Testament, do you know what the central focus of the Old Testament was? It was the Ark of the Covenant on which the cherubim overshadowed the mercy seat. And it was universally considered as the most significant piece of furniture in the tabernacle because it was the ark of the covenant of the Lord. And David not only erected a tent and recruited Levites to transport this ark, but he prepared an atmosphere and an offering of praise and worship to bless the Lord of that ark. First Chronicles fifteen verse sixteen said David spoke to the chiefs of the Levites to appoint their relatives, relatives the singers with instruments of music harps lyres and I find this interesting that that they put this that, that this was written in scripture, um, loud sounding cymbals. I mean we could have just got cymbals we would have got that but it doesn't say that loud sounding cymbals. I wish I had one right here where I could just just hit it. You know what's good for a cymbal is hit it. It's like a punching bag. It's made to be hit. Hit the thing. It's not made for a... That's what a triangle is for. A symbol is meant to... And uh, um, sticks break and wood flies. And uh, Zach sat back here on electronic drums, which are plastic. You do not have to hit those that hard. But he broke a stick playing electronic drums, the stick broke off and hit me in the back of the head. And Zach just grabbed another stick. And I literally saw spots for about two or three seconds. I, I didn't completely black out, but I just about did. And then I came to and I'm like, what just happened? And I look at Zach, and he's like, that's what a symbol's for. And we're talking about around the throne of God. This is what God desires. Looking for worshipers. He puts this into place to raise what? Why? Why? To raise sounds of joy. Man, that song that Brandy sang about dance, there toward the end about you healed me and you you replaced my fear with joy. You know, we sing these songs over and over and over. But I got out here in the congregation and started worshiping you, and I could start to see it. We can so go numb up here on stage playing our music that we miss it. You can go numb sitting out there singing the song, saying the words, and not get it. God has healed me. He's restored me. He's replaced my dumpy mind with the mind of Christ. And I have hope. I have a reason to worship. I already had one, but now I really do. Let me worship you, Lord. Man, worship should be oh, all we got. But David wanted to raise the standard of worship. It says, And Shaniah, uh, the chief of the Levites, was in charge of the singing. He gave instructions in singing because he was skillful. He wants skillful worshipers. He wants worshipers that are going after him his way. Not people out here doing their own thing. What is God's way? Musicians, he wants musicians that are skillful, that will work as unto the Lord. David organized the Levites to minister regularly before the Ark of the Covenant according to each day's requirements. But things seemed odd with this arrangement because it was radically different from the worship offered at the tabernacle of Moses. Do you remember where the ark was? David put it on a hill. It was called Mount Zion, but now it's called the the city of David. And David covered the ark with a tent. Basically, it only protected the ark from the elements, from sun beating down on it, from heavy dew falling on it, and from rain. From then on, it was open. Moses' tabernacle, if you remember, had three layers of protection of the Holy of Holies. You had to be a priest or from the tribe of the Levites to be able to even get in there. The Levites could serve in there and prepare, but the priest was only allowed in there once a year. David's was open. You could see. Did you see from restoring the tabernacle of David so that all can see? So that all can worship the Lord. Can you see the different picture? The ark, when Moses' tabernacle, it it was completely covered. But the book of Samuel, 2 Samuel also describes uh, the return of the ark, I'm almost done, the return of the ark to Jerusalem while adding one more major significant difference between Moses' tabernacle and David's. You know, David, David went to the prophet Nathan and said, Nathan, I'm king. Things are good. I love the Lord. We've got the ark of the Lord. It's in a tent, man. Things are going great. I want to build a house for God. God does not need to stay in this tent. He needs a house. What did Nathan say? Great idea, king. You go do that as your heart desires. As the Lord leads you, you go do that. Then God spoke to Nathan. Nathan, no. Hey, can I tell you all God says no? Parents? Even though so many things tell us not to tell our children no, God says no. Can I go play in the street? No. It will hurt you. No. God said no for a bunch of reasons. But he said, but David, you're not going to build my house. God says, I'm going to build your house. And do you know what David did when Nathan came with that word? You know what he did? He ran into the presence of the Lord. Watch. Then David the king went in and sat before the Lord and said, who am I, O God, and what is my house that thou hast brought me this far? He wasn't allowed. Only the priest was allowed. He wasn't allowed. David never, I don't believe he ever had the thought, what's going to happen if I go in here? No, his heart was drawn to God. His only response when he was overwhelmed by the Word of God coming to his heart was to go sit before the Lord and to have his own communion with him, with God. That's what God is restoring. Do you know where we're going, church as a, at church on the hill, in our praise and worship? Do you know where we're going as a church, as a body? We are going into the presence of the Lord. It is no longer a place for the church to stay outside. The Old Testament church stayed outside. The New Testament church goes in. Jesus died to pay the price for you. For you to experience the Lord yourself. Individually, with intimacy, with passion, with power. That same feel that David had coming into the city of David. With all that passion, leaping with with all of his might. He wants to give you that. He wants to give you that. That is no longer to be only held for one office. It's to be held by you. Not only does he want to give you that access, he wants you. He's not just giving us a ticket in. He wants us there. We don't all of a sudden have the ticket into Ripley's Believe It or Not to see the goofy, large, tiny animal. Y'all get the ticket to see the two to one, 18-inch horse. What are, the, what are those things? Yeah, the miniature horse. Whatever. I've never been in there. I've never paid the money to go in and see it. It's not this little ticket, hey, y'all can now walk through, and it's like at a, at a, at a, uh, a famous person's funeral. You get to walk by, and I got to do that. No. It's a place for you to go and abide. God desires you there. It's not some little pass-through. It's not something we can just go by and gawk at and go out. It's a place to go and experience the presence of the Lord. In church, it's not just something that you go into Sunday mornings at 1030. David did not wait for a church service. When David had a desire, that's where he went. And it is God's desire for you to come into the presence of God. Worship is not singing, singing four songs. We sang four this morning. Man, the spirit was really moving. I don't know if y'all noticed. But we sang one twice. So does that really count as four? No. The presence of the Lord is what we desire. That can be done with no songs. That's where we're going. Will you all go with me? Amen. Stand up with me and let me pray for you. Well, Father, we just, we just pray to you as Jesus prayed, Lord. Our Father, won't you pray with me? And we're going to say uh, uh, sins. Y'all all know what I'm talking about. We're going to say sins, all right? And the glory forever. Now, Father, we do just take that lead and pray to you, Father God, that you are so awesome. You are so good. You have made such a way and you have sent your Son Jesus to give us access back to you, Lord. The veil was torn when Jesus died on that cross to give us access back to the Father. You may be here today and you may say, I don't even know Jesus. You know what? Don't leave here like that. I want you to step out of this, uh, step out of your seat in just a moment, and come and let us pray with you. You don't have to leave and not know Jesus. You've tried it every way. You've tried every way, but Jesus. Today is the day to try Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Will you make a commitment today to give your heart to the Lord and worship? to give your body to the Lord in worship, to give everything that you have to the Lord in worship. He's paid every price for you. Are you here today with a heavy burden, with your world crashing down on you? The Lord wants to answer you today. Those that are praying with me, come on down. We're just going to open the altar to to a time of praise and worship, to a time to worship the Lord and to ask God, God, what do I need prayer for? Lord, what do I need? Lord, you already know the things that I need, Lord. I I just want to let you know what I need. David, when he wanted to build his house, the Lord said, nope, I'm going to build your house. That David just wanted to come into the presence of the Lord and say, God, why me? Why are you so good to me? Would you just open up your heart? Do you need prayer for healing? Do you need prayer for your finances, for your marriage, for your relationships? Whatever. Come. Let us pray with you this morning. Let us go together into the presence of the Lord and ask according to His will. He says He'll give it to us. In Jesus' name, amen.